Hello, everyone. This is Let's Get For Real, a podcast all about cats and dogs and what they mean to us. I'm Susan Michaels, the creator of the two biggest events in the world celebrating pets and pop culture, CatCon and Cat Art Show. So for this week's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. Cat poetry. Actually, cat and dog poetry. My guest today is Francesco Marsuliano. Francesco is somebody that I met back in 2015 when he came to the very first CatCon. I had Francesco out for CatCon because I was a big fan of his poetry. He is a master at cat poetry. He wrote the epic book, I Could Pee on This and Other Poems by Cats back in 2013, which was an international bestseller and has written a slew of other cat-centric poetry books, as well as the dog poetry book, I Could Chew on This and Other Poems by Dogs. So without further ado, here is our conversation where we talk about his love of cats, dogs, Charles Schultz, and an unlikely source of poetic inspiration, Charlie Sheen. Francesco, thank you so much for joining us. Can we tell people first a little bit about how you got into the pet poetry slam business? <laughs> well, the same way everyone does, you know. Um, by the way, thank you very much for having me on your show. I originally came up with the book, uh, the title of the book, I Could Pee on This. I wrote it a long time ago when I wrote a list of books that I thought would never appear on Amazon. It would never do well. And then I just always had in the back of my head. But uh, a few years ago, uh, 2007, 2000, no, actually 2010, I had two cats, Boris and Natasha, because I like Bullwinkle cartoons growing up. <laughs> and after the second cat, after Natasha passed away, I was very sad. And I wanted to figure out a way to help me through the morning. And I thought, for some reason, I thought, poems, but I wanted them to be funny. I wanted whatever my morning process to be, go, oh, I'm going to remember how nice it was to have them, not to focus simply on that they're no longer there. And so I wrote a few and I shared them online and people liked them. So I wrote more and then I uh, decided, eh, let's give this a shot. Let's use the book title I thought was never going to work and let's see if it worked. So uh, it, it was about missing my cats, but perhaps the best way I could do it for myself. Now, that book was wildly successful and ended up on the New York Times bestseller list and stayed there for more than, you know, a month. New York Times bestsellers, I think it was about, not consecutively, but I think about 16 weeks. And I know the Los Angeles Times, I got to be about 72 weeks. It's sort of become part of the landscape of this boom of cat and pop culture. I see it in people's homes. I've seen it in Urban Outfitters. <laughs> I was very happy to see that. I went there the first holiday season. It came out. I was there with my brother. And so my brother took the copy and started shouting, hey, I've heard about this book. I wonder who's like, shut up. But um, it's it was a lot of fun. And I forgot to mention earlier, one of the things how this all started is, uh, oddly enough, I have to thank Charlie Sheen, although he has no idea this happened. Several years ago, Charlie Sheen had a mental breakdown. No. It's been continuous. But really? when he had his first one, when he did the radio interview and he said all the insane things, I took quotes from that, but I put it to pictures of cats. because what, like I winner, winner, chicken dinner? He had tiger fingers and he shot lasers from his eyes and all those things. Oh, and I put right. it to pictures of cats because I had nothing to do that Thursday night, apparently. And then 
I put on my thing. It's the only time because I got about like two million hits, and I thought, okay, cats may be something. <laughs> and so that started the okay, I'll write for cats because I enjoyed writing it, and other people seem to be at least responding to it. Did you ever think that you would end up having a career? <clears throat> Let me say that again. Did you ever think you'd end up having a career in cat poetry? No, I was glad it just didn't end with that. Did you ever think you'd have a career? <laughs> Anything even remotely resembling a professional life? Did you actually think you? Uh, no, um, I would be lying if I thought I came out of college going, it's cat poetry. Um, actually, probably my parents would also cry. We paid for what? I wanted to write humor books. The I Could Be On This was my first book that got picked up. I think I had tried like two other times before. Did I think it would have something to do with animals? There was a high chance of that. But um, again, these were t this was a title I came up with 10 years prior to my writing it because I thought that's a funny book that would never appear on a bestsellers list. And I think other titles were, Can We Talk to the Dead? No. <laughs> and like 483,249 Habits of Highly Successful Obsessive Compulsives. So those are the books that I could have written, but fortunately did not. The true creative mind goes into that obsessive compulsive place. But, you know, you have to get through all the crap before you can find the true title that is you're like, ah. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Going through the crap. That's the writing process. I think in a nutshell, I think you just got it. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I've been very fortunate and people have been very nice and very supportive. It, I, I, the only way I can really describe it, I've been very fortunate. In addition to your the myriad of pet poetry books, you also have a comic strip that you've been doing for many, many years. Can you talk right. a little bit about that? Right. Now, I, I have two strips. One I've been doing since... Sorry about that. No, no, I was... Uh, I've got two, and we're canceling this interview. I have never been so insulted that you don't know my complete bio, because that's clearly your life. No. <laughs> Any, it, you can't see the video part, but this is me rolling eyes at myself, people. So I can see you. That. I can no, see you. No, no, but, but on the podcast, they won't <laughs> no, see that I know. I know I'm taking the piss out of myself. Yeah, I know. Um, no, it's, I do Sally Forth, which I've done since 1997. And I do the strip Judge Parker, which is one of those soap opera strips where, you know, it's 10 years later and it's later that same day because they move at a different pace. And I've done that since 2016. I have a lot of fun with both of them. They're two very different strips, and I enjoy them both. So Sally Forth, that's now, my God, 23 years. Dude, that's a yeah. long time. Yeah, I took it over from the original person. I've done it a lot longer than they have at this point. Yeah, I've held on to a job for 23 years. So take that, middle school guidance counselor. <laughs> okay, I want to go into, uh, let's do a little bit of a cat poetry slam, and then oh, we're going to okay. we're, we're gonna do some dogs, too. But I would... You know, I have one poem of yours that I love that I post every year, which I am going to read now for our audience. Me too. Thank you. And it is from your book, I Need My Mommy and Other Poems by Cats. It is called Black Kitten. I purr, I nuzzle, I lick, I cuddle, I run, I leap, I play, I sleep. But if you think all that is an evil omen, if you think all that is pure bad luck, then yes, you will endure great misfortune because without me, your life will suck. See, I rhymed. There is a rhyme there. One of them was a near rhyme, but still there was rhyming there. Yes. You've done 
a number of books now right. with uh, cat humor, shall we say, cat poetry. Not necessarily, people need to know, it's not necessarily rhyming poetry. There's a little haiku action in there, here and there. I Why like the stress-free verse as much as possible. Free verse, free <laughs> yeah. verse. Can, 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 you, can you tell us some of the other titles of your books? I could pee on this and other poems by cats. I could chew on this and other poems by dogs. So you're going to hear the and other poems a lot right now. I need my mommy, K-N-E-A-D, and other poems by kittens. You need more sleep, advice from cats. Uh, I could pee on this too, T-O-O-O, and more poems by more cats. <laughs> claw, the, claw the system poems from the cat uprising, and all cats are introverts. Yeah, I mean, all cats are introverts. I don't know. I mean, do you do you really think they are, or are they just more independent and sort of sometimes apathetic? Well, I think the thing is, I think a lot of people think introvert means shy, and it doesn't. Nor does introvert mean you don't like people. I like people. What it is, introvert is, it's an energy level thing. And the most basic level is like, I can be, I can be around a lot of people, and I look forward to being around people. And after a certain point, like, okay, we're good. And then you kind of go back. But introvert never means you don't like people. It just means you have a tolerance level and you like to be alone and you like to be alone with your thoughts and you're able to focus better on your own than in a group environment. It, it's, it's not an antisocial thing. It's just knowing when you're best in social situations. Well, all this time I thought I was an extrovert, but thanks. Now I know I'm an introvert. <laughs> I, think, I think most people are both, to be quite yeah. honest. I think we all have our have our uh, elements. I think introvert is just, I like to be around people and sometimes I need to be by myself. I was also painfully shy as a child. Shyness is I want to be around people and I can't and I wish I could. So that's a different element, but I think a lot of people confuse the two. It's no longer about cats. Now we're just going to do pop psychology. I took a course for three days once and I'll tell you. Well, let's go back to cats and dogs. Okay. Let's get for real again. Okay. You plugged you the ready title. To get... Well done. You said the titular title. You, the Are titular you ready name. to get for real? Yes, I will. You mentioned one doggy title in there, and this mm -hmm. podcast is Dogs and Cats. What was the catalyst for that book? Are you I know. What was I know. The... Are you asking me what was the catalyst for the dog book? Yes. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I mean, I have to get in some puns here and there. I mean, come on, dude. No, no, this is better because if I hear a co another COVID pun, I'm going to scream. So that oh, no, 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 yeah. no. No, um, I thought it would be fun to write the dog version. I thought it would be a completely different experience. I grew up, I had a dog as well. I, I had more cats. As an adult, I had cats. As, an, as on my own, I haven't had a dog. But growing up, I had three dogs. Cat, what were their names? Bird. Uh, I didn't have them at the same time. The first one, the first name was Splash, because that's what happens when you let the four-year-old name the dog. <laughs> the second name was Snoopy, because that's what happens when you let the 10-year-old name the dog. And then uh, the third one was Panda, black and white dog. And that's what happens when you eventually go, let's not let Chez, let's let the other brother handle this one. So he came up with a better name. Uh, Panda, we had the longest for 19 years. When you wrote the dog book, was it harder to write dog poetry than cat poetry? 
Initially, and I think it comes back to a little bit of the introversion because with cats, I can get in the head more. You're in this one space. How do you how do you bounce off the walls? How do you handle this? With dogs, what actually helped me is I walk a lot in the city and you see a lot of dogs. And I know people who had dogs. So it was more or less having to get out of my own head and think, okay, these these animals are far more social. They're far more outside than I am. And so it was just observing that. And once that clicked in, that became a lot of fun. It was just a different way of thinking. Cats are I cats I can write quickly just because. This is what happens when you work from home. You project onto a lot of other things until you eventually going, I wonder if the toaster is finally going to finish its MFA degree. You know, you get weird. <laughs> but with dogs, you have to leave. Out. It's just doing nothing but toasting. But with dogs, you have to leave. And I thought it was actually an encouraging thing to get outside of my mind. In delving into the creative side of animal psyche, <laughs> did you learn more? about the pets that you had? I mean, I'm obviously always aware of my pets and I'm taking care of them, but you do observe their daily life more, which is another way of going, I've watched a cat for six hours, they can give me something to write about, which is, it does not sound healthy, but now sounds normal because of everything that's going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you do, you become far more aware of their habits, how their meow sounds in different circumstances, how their tail reacts, how their eyes dilate. Basically, what I'm saying is I stared at them a lot, but you do. And with, with dogs, even though I don't have a dog present in my life, I would watch outside and I'd see how they reacted to other dogs, how they reacted when they were outside the store and their owner was inside the store. How would they react when they were walking down the sidewalk and just sniffing everything every centimeter? So I became aware of the animals a lot more, which is, and you also study about them. If you're going to write about them, I read a bunch of books about cats. I read a bunch of books about dogs, but it also helps because then you just become a, I became more aware overall. And for someone who can get lost in their head pretty quickly, that was uh, that was a good thing for me to have. And like anything else, when you write this, you do project in yourself. So I write these and I go, okay, I found out a little bit more about myself as well. Whether or not that was good or bad depends on the poem. I was just yeah. going to say, is that good or bad? It's a, com <laughs> it's a combo platter, really. I mean, writing these was also a way, like when I do the comic strips, it's a way of processing your own thoughts so you can hear them. It's a way of basically... Anyone who does anything, writes a song, writes a poetry, writes a comedy, writes a song, dances, sings, all that is a means for you to figure out how you're interacting with the rest of the world and how you can voice your thoughts. I'd love to hear some of your favorite poems. Anything that was inspirational for you? All right. So this is, uh, this is I Could Pee on This from the first book, the title poem. I could pee on this. Her new sweater doesn't smell of me. I could pee on that. She's gone out for the day and left her laptop on the counter. I could pee on that. Her new boyfriend just pushed my head away. I could pee on him. She's ignoring me, ignoring her. I could pee everywhere. She's making up for it by putting me on her lap. I could pee on this. I could pee on this. If I were, you know, in some sort of beatnik 60s club, I would be... Snapping away. Black turtlenecks, the whole deal. Black turtlenecks, a beret. No book and candle, the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, do you want me to read another one? Or I would love to have you read a couple. I mean, do, do you have some some favorites? Uh, yeah, actually, I do like this one. But uh, this is called Tripped. Tripped, T-R-I-P? T-R-I-P-P-E-D. 
tripped. Oh, tripped. Yeah. Like LSD tripped. Enjoy the Long Island accent. It's prevalent. Just go with it all. <laughs> Just embrace it. Uh, okay. I'm sorry I tripped you in the hall. I'm sorry I tripped you in the den. I'm sorry I tripped you in the bedroom. I'm sorry I tripped you in the kitchen. I'm sorry I tripped you in the attic. I'm sorry I tripped you in the basement. I'm sorry I tripped you out the door. I'm sorry I tripped you on hard cement. But some men paid me five grand to kill you. And then, and to this day, um, actually earlier today, my cat Lilo running back and forth in front of me. And it's because, you know, she wants attention or she actually scored a contract. Either way, good. It's about time to hear and to keep. Now your cat's ready to go on to Ronan Farrow's catch and kill. <laughs> it's a, it's eventually going to happen, yeah. But um, do you want dog poems? Do you want? I would love like? to hear. Um, I would love to hear some dog poems. Okay. By the way, I want you to know I place these here now. It's not like I usually have my books around. Oh yeah, let me just reach over here. <laughs> this one is actually the chapter heading, but it's weird because I've seen it copied a lot. Sometimes they mention the book, sometimes they don't. These things happen, but it's very short. It was just. So this is, I could chew on this in other poems by dogs, but this is very short. It's like, we were wolves once, wild and wary. Then we noticed you had couches. And that one, for some reason, gets past it. Someone would post a picture of their book and everything. And sometimes some people go, oh, it's from their book. And But I'm not sure why that one. I feel on. like I was like, wait, wait, that's it? Yeah, no, that's a chapter heading one. It's very brief. Okay. Okay, this is actually the first poem I wrote for the dog book. It's called, I dropped a ball. I dropped a ball in your lap. It's time to play. I just put a ball in your lap. So it's time to play. See that ball I placed in your lap? That means it's time to play. You can have your emergency appendectomy any other day, but I dropped a ball in your lap and now it's time to play. It's a chronicle of our <laughs> times. No, I will actually have that with the cats. I'll have Kiki come by. She just drops the toy in my lap. I throw it. She'll drop it. But then that time she drops it a little further away, so I have to pick it up. And I think she's just trying to get me off the sofa. Did you read that um, recent Wall Street Journal article, America Needs to Get Back to Work, written by a cat and a dog? I did. I thought that was very clever. I like that a lot. I even like the fact that they copied the illustration technique from the Wall Street Journal. I printed out the Wall Street Journal. It does bear relevance to the ball reference that you were just making because it talks a lot about this point of view from both the cats and the dog an op-ed piece and i'm going to read a little bit from both the dogs there's no reason for anybody to leave and go back to work um the the dog's point of view is and i'm quoting para well am i paraphrasing no i'm quoting we need to balance the economy against the extremely valid concerns about public health and protecting lives and walks we need to think about all the walks and ball. We need to also chase the ball, lots and lots. Now, from the cat's perspective, the cats want us to get the hell out, which is probably pretty true. So Jason Gay, who wrote this, uh, the cat's point of view is, on behalf of cats everywhere, I'll just say it. We want everyone out of the house. It's cute for a while, but the party's over. Have we liked getting snacks at unexpected hours? Sure. Is it nice to roll around on that warm laptop keyboard during Zoom calls? Sure it is. Warm keyboards are heaven, but it's gotten to be too much. <laughs> it was a very well done piece. I liked it a lot. In terms of, um, you know, others doing 
cat and dog poetry. Have you uh, checked out Curious Zelda yet? I did. You you sent me the link, and I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was very clever. I think she. I, I do feel she's sort of Dor Dorothy Parker-ish. Yeah, well, uh, Dorothy Parker is one of my favorite poets, so perfectly fine with that. In in terms of inspirations, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like how you did that. Nailed it. Uh in terms of who has inspired you over the years creatively, uh, other poets, other authors, can you sort of, it, they don't have to be, you know, dog centric or cat centric. I mean, it could be Keats. No, I, but I mean, you actually now that Dorothy Parker, I love her poetry and I very much like the structure. Of it. I like the humor in it. I like the okay, occasional cynicism in it, but um, I don't think they're as cynical as people believe they are. But there's a poem, which I can remember, where she's basically talking about how much she, about her lover, how much she loves him. And it ends each stanza with, and I need him dead, or I need him out of the house, or he needs to be gone now. I miss everything. And it's it was interesting, because, like, this is it. But we don't need to be together. We all need our own worlds and our own space, but we're together. And that was different than the usual romantic poetry you would read, where it acknowledged, this is great. I'm going to go over there. You can leave me alone for a little while. I think Dorothy Parker was a cat in her previous life. Could very well be. I I fear to figure out what animal I was beforehand. You know, a shrew. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go back in time. I was a dart snail. That's fantastic. Um, but since I started cartooning, uh, Charles Schultz was a very big influence because uh, he was one of the first cartoonists who wrote for the character and not for the punchline. A lot of times you can read a comic strip and you can go backwards where they came up with the punchline and work the dialogue to fit the punchline. Charles Schultz had very much the, I have a situation, I know my characters very well, I put them in a situation, they're going to interact with one another. And that was a big learning process early on. Same with when I was young, I would read Doonesbury. Did I catch the politics of Doonesbury? No, of course not. But what I liked was that, again, all the humor came from the characters, the interaction between the characters, and what was nice about Doonesbury and actually happened in Peanuts, is the joke was in the third panel, and then the response was in the fourth panel. So things didn't end with a punchline. And so what I try to write when I try to write these poems, I try to add the humor in it, and sometimes it does end in a punchline, but I don't like punchline for punchline sakes. I like the humor from the situation. So I'm not saying I write to any regards to their level or anything like that, but I will say that helped form what I thought, what to me worked best for humor. So when I write these, I go into the character, the cat, sometimes a very specific cat or a very specific dog. And I go, here's the situation. Here is this character. How do they react to this? And I, this is, this seems like I've got a segue here, but one of the poems in the book, because I thought, you know, every, most people have seen the movie Lady and the Tramp. And there's the famous scene with the two dogs eating the spaghetti dinner, which is, which is actually very romantic and very adorable. But I wondered what would the dog think? This was the genesis of this poem. So this poem is called Date Night. This is from I Could Chew on This and other poems by dogs. Every time I watch Lady and the Tramp, I think she's having some of your pasta. Quick, eat it all. Eat it now. Growl, bury your teeth, do something. Oh, don't give her the meatball. There's meat in it. Idiot. But then again, I'm not the romantic type. That's exactly what the dog is thinking. I'm sure the cat's thinking I couldn't care. But, it's the Hollywood version, you know. That's true, you know, because in a in in, a, in any relationship, there's a give and take. 
And Hollywood, it's got to be happy, you know? Exactly. We can't do the reality. No, 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 we can't. I can go on about the Italian, how that's depicted, but that's a whole different scenario. (laughs) So you have two kitties now, right? I do. I have Kiki and Lilo. They are sisters. They're black and white. And how long have you had them? I got them January 2016. And they will be five years old uh, July 3rd. Because eventually you have to kind of choose a birthday around when you do the math. And eventually it's like Independence Day Eve. That's easy to remember. But uh, yeah, so they will be five in July. I guess it's really hasn't changed for you being at home with the quarantine for them, huh? Well, I mean, there used to be me being out more because the way I write and the way I can also just stay insane is I walk a lot. I walk about Did you say stay insane? Stay insane, yes, because I know where my level is and I'm not going to, you know, the sane part was never going to happen. Actually, I didn't mean to, but there you go. There's our Freudian slip. But (laughs) (laughs) you've got to find ways. Uh, But I, unless it's like really hot or really, I try to walk about six to eight miles a day. Wow. That's my Zen. That's how I think. I can't do that right now. So the cats, they now have me pure, uncut 24 hours, uh, except I got an exercise bike, which has been thankful. But now Lilo just looks at me wondering when I'm going to catch up to her. Why am I stationary the whole time? But she just stares at me the whole time. It's weird. I mean, a lot hasn't changed for me because I've been working from home for close to two decades now. But on the other hand, because there aren't those breaks, I'm like everyone else. I don't know what day it is. I'm assuming it's Saturday because your invitation was for Saturday, but I'm taking a wild guess here. I have no clue. It, I think it's June number. I'm creating months at this point. No clue. There's only today. To get your six to eight miles in, are you just sort of walking back and forth? I'm like- losing my mind, Susan. No. <laughs> I um, I do pace a lot. I walk around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I don't. I live in Manhattan, but I'm cut off from most of Manhattan because I'm way up west. I'm on 185th Street. So I don't see most of my habit because I'm not going to get on the subway. And um, But yeah, I walk around. I have a stationary bike, which has been a godsend. Uh, I um, Not a coat hanger? A coat hanger? Yeah, well, you know, most people use their uh, stationary bikes and other... Oh, you mean to put on a coat? Yeah, they turn into a coat hanger versus an exercise piece of equipment. Your question made absolutely perfect sense. But in my mind, I was going, what am I going to do with a coat hanger? <laughs> what I what? I, I I will talk to the coat hanger eventually. I will give you that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, but it's great to have pets right now. It is very, very much so. I think it's, I mean, like any, like any time pets are very soothing. They're very calming. They're very, I, I don't need to, you know, fussize about the health benefits of having a pet, but they're all true. Um, and early on, one of my first things when it became, okay, this is going to be this pandemic. Yeah, first concern was I have to make sure I've got their food so they're good for a while. And, of course, I've got to make sure I've got their litter. And uh, so they're good. So if something happened to me, as long as they develop thumbs can open up cans, they're good. Are you working on another book now or are you taking a book break? I I, I mean, I shouldn't even book. say that. I mean, the uh, creative mind never stops. It's always it's going. It's always going. You can't, you, can't, no. you can't stop this machine. It's just... A... <laughs> Please, people know that was sarcasm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. I... Are you being sarcastic? I think you're being sarcastic. Let's just qualify that you are being sarcastic. So the sarcasm with the sarcasm part of the sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I am. I'm trying to write. There, there's an animal book. There is a non-animal book. So we'll see how this all goes. Um, when you say animal, are you talking about a domestic animal? Usually. Or do you I not mean, even want to tell us? No, no, usually the market is. But I will be honest, the, the first book I'm working on is not animal-based. I just didn't want to bring that up because of the subject of this podcast. But uh, it is uh, poetry, but it's not animal poetry. But um, no, I mean, whatever idea I had, trust me, I... People with cats, people with pets know that you do talk to them a lot. You bounce ideas off of them. And then, of course, you have to do what their version of their criticism is. Um, so, yeah, I will talk to the cats about various things. I've got a rubber ducky. I will talk to the rubber. I've been working from home for a while, people. This is what happens. But, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're great. Cat. They're very, it's, it's very soothing. It's very encouraging. And, uh Lilo was pissed off that I was watching Tiger King. So, you know, she was right. <laughs> nothing, nothing good. I watched it early on before I realized the horror. I didn't go in knowing exactly what this was. That doesn't mean I didn't watch it all. But I do have a picture of Lilo just staring at the screen. And it's essentially, what the, you know. But, um, yeah, no, it's, I photograph the cats a lot. <laughs> you have to look up, there's my, my favorite hashtag on Instagram is cats watching TV. Okay, I actually need to use that thing because I do that, but I will do that. And I, yeah, if you go my Instagram, this is my plug. Uh, it is F Marchiliano, which you're going to have to look at the spelling of that one, people. I'll, I'll, we'll <laughs> add it. We'll add it. No, when I uh, first started using Zoom a couple weeks ago, like the rest of the world, my cats usually leave me alone when I'm at the laptop. They're perfectly fine. But for some reason, when it was the Zoom, Lilo was like, I have to write my novel now and I have to do it with my ass. So it's just like, oh. <laughs> it's going to be an epic. My ass is here for at least six hours a day each day now. They want to get in on the action, man. But no, the cats, I'm very fortunate I have the cats. Um, we spoil them rotten and I take a lot of photos. of them. Excellent. And I'm sure they want me out of the house at this point. I'm, I took a photo of, I actually posted a day of Lilo sleeping. And my only caption was, get out of the apartment now. You're photographing me when I'm asleep. This is weird. This is wrong. Go. I'm sure that's what they're thinking right now. Actually, she's licking herself right now. She's just off camera. I think <laughs> on that note, we're going to end this that's, podcast. That's, that, that's the epic ending. That's that's. <laughs> You know, you always want to leave them wanting more. And that probably for me, where they were listening to me was 10 minutes ago. But <laughs> no, really, thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's always oh, good thank to talk you. to you. It's always oh, great no, thank you. you. And that's it for this episode of Let's Get For Real. You can find us at letsgetforreal.com. That's letsgetfurreal.com. And on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We want to hear from you and see how you and your pets are doing. Please email us anytime at hello at letsgetforreal.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. The team of Let's Get For Real includes Abishai Artsy, Roxana Dunlop, and me, Susan Michaels. Stay safe, and don't forget to hug your pets. <laughs>